Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, or vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible where an eldest son sleeps with his father's concubine and has to learn the tough lesson that that's a bad idea. If you're wondering what we're looking at, Genesis chapter 35, verses 16 to 29, today's episode is in fact sponsored by Dwell App, so stick around to the very end and we'll talk about why ben, Pastor Ben Williams is using this app in the shower and what it could do for your spiritual life. That being said, let's dive into the text. Uh, I wanted to start, before we get to the whole eldest son sleeping with the concubine thing, because that's a very important part of the narrative, or at least when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, there's something here. I want to talk about this. But before we get there, there's this moment where uh, Rachel is in labor. She's about to pass off. Uh, and and you and I were actually talking about uh, over the last couple of years, you and I have both had the experiences where we've seen people in our lives uh, come to the end of their uh, of their time here on earth. And there's this weird moment where there's almost like this internal on and off button where the person comes to the, to the end of their life and they're like, you know what? I think this is time. I think I'm good. And they just know. And then like, boom, like it's almost as if they can voluntarily shut things off. And maybe that's what's happening here because Rachel's in labor and she can tell that things are going south. And so she decides to name her child Ben. Uh, how do you pronounce the name? Uh, ben Onai. Ben Onai. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I mean, there's even a realization of the midwife, right? Like, cause it says, wow, the labor was the hardest. The midwife is like, well, and also this was kind of weird to me. The midwife is like, hey, fear not. It's all good. You're having a son. <laughs> yeah, Which to you're, me... You're going to be dead, but it's okay. You got a boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're dying? Don't worry, though. It's a son, so everything worked out. It's like, well, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> but I think at some level that shows how highly they they valued sons, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe there's some kind of like messianic hint in there. Um, oh, interesting. 
I didn't yeah, think about it could that. be. I mean, there's like there's hope in in having a son. Like there's hope in the future of salvation. Like even if you're gonna die, there is hope in that there's a son coming. I um, think I think that's a very very gracious read on the text. I probably would yeah. <laughs> maybe say that that's let's blame it on the patriarchy. I think that's this is one of those yeah, yeah, few yeah, moments yeah. where it's like yeah, blame it on the patriarchy. That's that's absolutely what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And so then Rachel's like. Right. It seems like Rachel's not super satisfied with that answer because she's like, mm, oh, I'm having a son I shouldn't fear. Let's name him son of my sorrow. Let's name him son of my suffering. Because he, she's having a really, really hard time. She knows she's about to pass on. It says, yeah, it says, so Rachel was, Rachel dies. And then Jacob, instead of just saying, hey, let's name him Ben Onai, he says, let's change the name to Benjamin. So instead of being son of my sorrow or suffering, he renames him to son of my right hand. And the idea of being son of the right hand is the idea that he is the honored son. He is like a precious son. He's one that's seen higher than others. Because if you think about it, if I was a king back then, whoever sits on my right side on my right hand is actually like number two to the kingdom. Hmm. So whoever's on my right side is actually honored and favored even above the one that's sitting on my left side. So this is where like, if you're going to be in the kingdom, in the king's quote unquote, in the king's throne room you want to be on the the king's right hand Hmm. so in this idea of changing the name to son of my right hand he's saying let's change this kid's name to like the honored the most precious son i think it's so interesting that he decides to do this and and maybe there's not quite the expectation that your last wish is honored like the thing that you 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 declare on your deathbed your will so to speak that this is something that's honored to the level that maybe we we would look at it now it's like it's like yeah that's the last thing that you wanted but no, we're not going to do that. We're going to name him Benjamin. And which, which oddly enough, worked out well for you because maybe that would have been your yeah. name. Maybe you would have been, uh, you know, the son of sorrow. Yeah. People call me Oni. Who knows? <laughs> oh, that would be a good nickname. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'd be kind of cool. I like that. O- maybe Oni it works. didn't work out. Maybe it worked out poorly for me. I don't oh, know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it's really interesting because it does feel kind of weird when I read it. Like he didn't honor his wife's dying wish. <laughs> But at the same time, he also puts like a positive spin on the situation. Like he sees a blessing even in the darkest time, Hmm. which I don't think that, I think this actually gives a view at some level to me, like the way even God works. Like, Hmm. I don't think Jacob here is saying like, it doesn't matter if you die. This is my precious son. Hmm. But I think he's trying to say like, instead of letting this situation be not only a mar on the fact that my wife is dying and then now I'm going to have this kid. And whenever I see this kid, all I see is that my wife died because his name is son of my suffering. He's saying, let's actually like bring about positivity through this. Like, let's see the blessing even in this terribly dark time. Hmm. And I think that for me, it gives me even just like a little view of how God works. Like God isn't causing our suffering and saying, man, let me ruin Justin's life so then I can feel better or I can get some kind of weird glory about it. And Justin is just a pawn and I don't care how he feels. Hmm. But I think there's often a beauty in that, like when something bad happens to us, when sin corrupts this world, when suffering comes in, God often brings about something that is a blessing. Even if we think that we're in the deepest part of the curse, just in the same way, Rachel couldn't even see past this, this like moment because she's suffering so bad. Whereas Isaac comes or Jacob comes in and he's like, listen, like, let's bring something good out of this, even if hmm. this is a horrible time and my my favorite wife dies. Because if you remember this, like now he's stuck with Leah. I mean, he just he loves Rachel and he's yeah. super sad. And yeah. 
it's interesting. The, the The next couple of verses are, are are really like really really bizarre. It talks about Jacob traveling on. He goes on to the next area, and then it says that Reuben. Reuben is, if you don't remember the, if I remember correctly, it's the oldest of the twelve sons, right? Like he's the the firstborn. Mm-hmm. He's the one that you would think, according to the narrative, is the one that's got the promise. He's the one that's got you know the giant inheritance. He's the one that's potentially going to be the leader of this family. But then he does this really weird thing where it's like, okay, now he starts to have intercourse with his father's concubine, which already, like, that's already mm-hmm. bizarre. He's got two wives and he's got concubines. Like, okay, clearly there's a, there's a growing curve. There's a learning curve here as far as maybe uh, ideal family dynamics. But it's showing up that there's some dysfunction here because look at what Reuben is doing. Yeah. Yeah, and if you look at, I mean, not only is it his concubine, but it's his brother's mother. like it's Billa, the one who had, uh, let's see. She's the one that has Dan, Neftali and Zilpa. Oh my goodness. Like, I mean, and and not that it makes it worse, but it kind of does. It kind (laughs) of makes it more grimy that it's not only like, it's not this woman that your father sleeps with and she's kind of on the side. It's like, it's your, like you, you hang out with your brothers all the time. It's their mom. Yeah. Like, (laughs) that's terrible. So, one of the things I was asking myself, like, what in the world is this all about? And so I went to kind of like our resident cheat sheet that Penna took as narrative, which is recommended by Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And one thing that was pointed out here was actually really, really brilliant. This is actually what the narrative is highlighting here is actually how several of the brothers in the previous chapter have actually fallen from grace. So if you yeah, remember, a, a couple, out. yeah, the, the top three are gone. And so Ruben here is the oldest. Clearly he's, you know, he's no longer loved by dad in this specific manner, right? Like he's, he's discounted himself, uh, based off of his conduct. The next two sons, which are Simeon and Levi. Well, what did they just do a couple episodes ago? Well, they let us slaughter and kill the whole village. It's like, well, these are not the kinds of moral upstanding people that we want to lead, uh, to have lead us. And so the next person who falls in line is Judah. And if you're paying attention to the narrative, there have been Judah has been highlighted on a, a, a kind of different stages on this narrative. And spoiler alert, Judah and Joseph are going to be these kind of primary figures as we get to move forward. So what we're seeing here is kind of like these these uh, you know pictures of these leading sons and exes drawn straight through their their faces because they're no longer the kinds of people that are going to be the leaders of these individuals. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Because something I had I had often wondered when I was a kid is why did Jesus come from the the line of Judah? Right. And not like, like say Levi or something like that. Yeah, like or I always thought about Reuben. I was like, shouldn't shouldn't it be that because if you think about it, the 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 birthright and the blessing of being the oldest was through was it, which yeah. the line was supposed to pass through. And that's where we get like it's weird that it comes through Jacob and not Esau, but clearly Jacob is the one that gets the birthright and the blessing. So then he's the one that Jesus's line actually comes through, the messianic line. And the question was always like, man, why is he the lion of Judah? Why isn't he like the lion of Reuben? Hmm. And this is this is answering that exact question. Like, why is it that he comes through Judah? Because the first three sons have disqualified themselves from the birthright. And what's really interesting to me, and this might be a spoiler, and I'm Uh-oh. very sorry, <laughs> but Judah is also going to mess up. Oh, like, no. Like, Judah is going to do, there's going to be a couple of big stories where Judah Judah does an owie. I don't know how you want to say it. He does, he does something, he he does something bad, but there's like, there's also redemption for Judah. And so the, and I think that's really important right now Mm -hmm. because 
it could seem like Judah, Levi, and who's it, Simeon? Uh-huh. And Simeon, they did, oh, well, they messed up one time and then they're just out. It's like, well, no, it's not about that they messed up one time. It's that they messed up, yes, but then remained in that. Mm. Like they weren't willing to be actually redeemed in this way. Oh, interesting. So you're suggesting that maybe yeah. Judah is somewhat unique when you compare him to Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. He's similar in that he's mm-hmm. going to mess up but he might be different in the way that he handles the fact that he messes up and that this is evidenced by the fact that he's still honored in the lineage that Jesus is coming from his tribe. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And so like, because then the question would come up as we progress and Judah starts to mess up. like, well, why wasn't he kicked out? Mm. Like he did, he did bad stuff. But that, that's there's, cool. there's going to be a redemption story. Don't I, worry. Don't, if, if you're sleeping on Judah, there's going to be redemption of him. Don't I, worry. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love it. it, it it's, it's cool because, you know, throughout the narrative of the last 30 odd chapters or so, one of the things that I've been kind of, I, I, I've been trained to look for is like these moralistic like anecdotes where we can say, ah, this is what we learned from the story. And time and time again, I've been reminded that, you know, those are okay to look for, but that's not the point mm-hmm. of the text. The point of the text isn't, don't sleep with your father's concubine. Though you should absolutely not sleep with... If your father has a concubine, one, you've already got a problem, but two, definitely don't yeah. sleep with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is what God is doing in the background uh, to, to, to go about the process of redemption. And so one of the things that I thought about this text is like, oh, here's a little, you, 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 you reap what you sow kind of cause and effect, like mm. you messed up. There is a consequence, which is, which I think is an easier uh, moral to, to, to distill from the story. But also, even if you do mess up, like you're saying with the story of Judah, it's not as though hope is lost. God is still at work. There's still something that, that uh, he's wanted to do through you. And yeah, you, you might've messed up. You might've missed the mark, but this isn't necessarily the end of your story. Yeah, and I I love that. And I think that it's really important that we remember Scripture is not here for for us just to memorize and know a bunch of stuff about. But Scripture's first and foremost point is for us to understand that God is love. Mm. That is what it's all about. And so, like, as we read these stories, like, he wants us to know about him. He wants us to know who he is. And that's what we're getting to see. Mm. Like, we're getting to see exactly who God is, who is love. Yeah. And, and and I think that this is maybe one of the things that the last couple of verses of this chapter is attempting to highlight. It's attempting to highlight mm-hmm. the faithfulness of God over the course of Jacob's life. Jacob's ha- Jacob mm-hmm. had these ups and downs. He had these moments where he was reaching a little bit further than, than he was maybe given uh, permission to or, or was invited to by God. And yet at the end of his life and at the end of his, what is it, a ripe old, does it say 180 years or is that, oh, that's Isaac. Yeah, Isaac. Isaac was 180 years old. Yeah. Well, he's he's breathing his last, and and the the story kind of concludes with this setting of the sun, like things are good, mm-hmm. like God has done exactly what He has said He would do all along. Yeah, for sure. And this is where, like, because Jacob's request to God was that I may make it back to my father's household, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we're seeing here. He's like, he's back with his dad. He's with his brother. Like this. I mean, that's just also the craziest reuniting reconciliation story ever. Like. And yeah, there's this like moment of, if nothing else, there's this moment of peace and reconciliation and like ascending off, which is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so at the beginning of this episode, we teased that there's this thing, Pastor Ben, that you've been doing somewhat as a habit in the shower. Mm-hmm. Want to talk to the people about that? 
Yeah, well, every morning I shampoo my hair. That's no, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what I've been doing in the shower, I have this nice little shower where there's a ledge right above it. And I, I turn on my Dwell app and every single day I play the passage of the day. And I'm personally have a, I'm going through a plan on this app called the Dwell app where every day to get through it in a year, it gives you the right amount of scripture. And so I pick my narrator's voice. I pick the, the sound and music that I want to hear behind it. And I just let it play. And as I'm showering, I get to just listen to scripture. And I, man, let me tell you, for some reason, it's coming alive like it hasn't before. Like when I read it, it's Ooh. great and I'm getting information. But when I have like the ambient sounds behind it and like the nice deep voice of this random person, I don't, I think his name, I use this guy named Mark. Yeah, when I hear Mark's voice come, like it's just like comes to life and it's beautiful because I'm, I'm listening to these stories as I'm like, you know, waking up in the shower and it's just an amazing way to start my day listening to what's going on right now i'm in i'm in uh, i think second samuel and david david and absalom just had their scraps and oh now you know david's kind of sad about absalom but it's really great like it's been it's been awesome listening through there's nothing quite like starting your day getting both your body and your soul clean right you know getting a little mm-hmm. shower action as well as a little bit of time in scripture mm-hmm. like that's that's a, that's a great routine to start you know one of the things that i have really really enjoyed about dwell and this is like maybe my biggest complaint about other Bible apps is that there's no read along feature. I don't know if you stumbled across it yet, but Dwell uh has like kind of, you know how like Apple lyrics, when you're playing a song, I don't know if you ever had this experience, but you're listening to a song for the first time. You're like, what are they saying? For me, mm-hmm. that's something, that's an experience that I have all the time, especially if I'm li- listening to kind of more contemporary music. I'm like, I, I can't follow along that fast. So I, t- I click the Apple lyrics and I can actually read the actual lyrics and it's helpful for me to actually understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. This app actually has the ability to follow along to read while you're listening. And and I, I like this a lot for me because it actually helps me focus. It helps fight the whole ADHD, ADD experience kind of a thing for me. Mm-hmm. But also I found out that studies show that if you're doing this like multiple sensory approach to study, that you're actually able to retain more. Meaning like if you read and listen to the scripture at the same time, it does something in your brain mm-hmm. where you remember more of it and it kind of is internalized just a little bit more. Wow, I didn't know that. That's really cool. And I'm not even just saying that because they sponsor us. I think that's actually cool. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe check it out. Maybe try it the next time. I think it's really cool because Dwell's, at least what they, and I'm looking at the document that they sent us because they did give us like a little bit of an ad read and talking points and things that they wanted us to let you guys know about. But they were saying that Dwell kind of started with a mission from scripture. There's a very famous Bible verse. Maybe Ben, you know this Bible verse by heart, but in Psalms where it talks about hiding God's word in your heart. And I know that you and I, maybe at a previous time, might have held this Bible verse very, very close to our heart in our mm-hmm. attempt to kind of live the right way. Do you, do you know what the verse oh, I'm talking about? What, what's the yeah. point of that verse? I don't know in the new light, but I mean, back in the day, I used to think it meant I need to memorize five scriptures a day. And so I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> the text says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so uh-huh. what I used to think was, oh, if I memorize lots of Bible verses, maybe I won't sin as much. And mm-hmm. maybe there's a co- co- uh, correlation behind that, all, all of that. And and maybe there's not. I don't know. But the heart behind it and now is like, okay, you know, listen, hiding scripture in your heart is beautiful. But if it's from the perspective of like, oh, so I won't sin ever again. Like, 
I think that's kind of where the shift has happened for me. But I still love hearing the Bible, still love reading it, and still love memorizing powerful verses because it challenges the way that I think. And, it's, mm. and, and instead of looking at it from this perspective of like, oh, man, I got to defend myself against the enemy and all these things. Like, no, I just actually got to remind myself of the truth of what God says over my life. Mm. And so there's still a value for me in, in memorizing scripture and all those different kinds of things. And I don't know about you, but it, it's become less of a burden and more of a joy. Hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so is that is that it? Is that the end? We, do we reach the end? <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> All I right. forgot we were doing an ad. <laughs> <laughs> you said just, me too. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. So if you want to check out this Bible app for yourself, you can head on over to dwellapp.io slash the move and get 30% off a lifetime membership. Again, that's dwellapp.io slash the move. And what we're going to do for this episode, Pastor Ben, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give away a membership to someone in our audience. And so what would you like Ooh. to see in the comment sections in our last kind of ad read? Kessia asked the question, what's the one Bible chapter that you want to listen to on repeat over and over and over again? Do you have a question that you'd like to invite people to share their thoughts in the comments? And then maybe we'll select one of them to give away a membership to. Mm, I would say, what is your favorite biblical name? Ooh, good one. Is it Zerubbabel? And if you say Benjamin, you get two submissions. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, it's actually funny because I didn't notice, but in the text, uh, there's one of my, my grandfather's names as well. My grandfather is Naphtali. Mm. And oh, I always was wondering name. where did that name come from? And then I, you know, later on in life would learn that's actually a biblical name. And it's mm -hmm. weird because, you know, you think about biblical names. One, what are the names that you want to be named after? You want to be named like David, a man after God's own heart or, or Benjamin, you know, son of my right hand. But Naphtali, that just feels like such an obscure name. And yet it's the name that my family has. So yeah. Great what name. do you know? What do you do with that? So what is the name that your favorite biblical name is? Let us know in the YouTube comments below and Ben will pick one of you guys and send you guys a free code so you can actually enjoy Dwell for yourself. If you don't win, no problem. We'll be doing a couple other giveaways in future episodes. But again, if you want to grab it for yourself, dwellapp.io slash the move for 30% off.